And here we go. TPC 118, June 19th, 2020, 2.09 p.m. Eastern Time. The chain of events that has led me to this guest, having on my older brother's high school friend, J.P. Variano, his friend, Nick Phelps, his friend, Dan Libby, his brother, David Libby, his former boss, I don't know how to say your last name, Greg Henneman? Yeah, you got it. Beautiful. So that is how we... So what was that, like nine degrees of separation? It is, It is. I mean, we are, at this point, I think it's perfectly rational to assume I can get Elon Musk on, because it's just <laughs> this many degrees <laughs> of separation. I, I know, well, actually, I did email them. They didn't get back to me, but I got a, I did get a formal rejection from General Mattis, so... Wow. Yeah, so it can't get everyone, but aim for the stars, I guess. At least you got a rejection. I know. That's how I look at it, man. I look at it as a win. I'm like, I got a rejection. So, um, so yeah. He knows who I am. He knows who I am. I have value. Yeah. Yeah, no, the real pain is when I don't even get a rejection. It's just like, ah. Yeah. Oh. Not even eye contact. Yeah, I know, right? I did, I did get, like, a loose almost cease and desist from Northrop Grumman trying to get them to talk wow. about the B-21 Raider. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, learned my lesson with defense contractors. Stop <laughs> contacting them. Um, so I had on David Libby uh, two weeks ago after there was an article I saw online on Reddit on uh, the subreddit r slash special access about the F-117 having air-to-air capabilities. I talked to him. Right. He said he called you. And I, yes, I thought I thought he was gonna have the inside scoop. I was like, I'm about to get the story. And he he came on the podcast. Well, I, I texted him that, and he goes, send me that link. And I was like, okay. And he goes, I need to make some phone calls. And I was like, uh oh. He came on and was like, yeah, man, I have no idea what that is. And I was like, what? And he was like, he was like, so I'm gonna put you in contact with my boss. So roundabout way, that's where we are here now. And I have some uh, questions from the people on that subreddit to ask you. We'll do that towards the end. Um, so why don't you just introduce yourself? Because as nor- as always, I'm just talking myself like an idiot without letting the guest speak. So why don't you introduce yourself, sir? I'm Greg Henneman. I joined the Air Force in uh, 1986. Um, so you know, got to be there to to watch the Berlin Wall fall, the end of the Cold War. Spent the the first eight years of my career in uh, what was called subsistence operations you know, is, we can we can make anything sound fancy yeah and and what that meant was basically a food supply type role so worked in the commissaries worked in troop support that provided food to uh, the dining halls the club the different facilities on base i was at Rhein-Main air base in germany during uh, desert storm and we provided all the food that went to um, all the troops that were deployed in Desert Storm and then provided food for numerous humanitarian operations from uh, delivering food to the Kurds in northern Iraq to uh, Somalia and, and any, any, anywhere that, you know, we wanted to feed people. Yeah, that's kind of what we did. Mm-hmm. I didn't join the Air Force to do that job. In fact, I worked in a grocery store in high school and joined the Air Force to get away from that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they saw, oh, well, you got experience with this. Yeah. You can do some more. Yeah. Um, so I, I spent a lot of the, I, I, loved, I had fun with that job, but it, it wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. And so I complained a lot. And then finally the Air Force relented and said, uh, how would you like to be a historian, I'm like perfect. Yeah, that's, that's exactly exactly what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, so I started that in 1994. I was a historian at uh, Langley Air Force Base in Virginia with the F-15s. Went from there to Holloman Air Force Base uh, with F-117s. Went from there to Lake and Heath with the F-15s, and back to Holloman a second time, once again with the F-117s. Yeah. Um, deployed to Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, uh, Italy. Uh, and so I had a pretty amazing 20 year career. Uh, probably a little more than half of that was overseas. Um, so, you know, got to have really incredible experiences. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what what do you think about the recent revelations that the F-117 had air-to-air capabilities? I, I don't know who your listeners are. And, I, and part of my anxiety of, of doing this podcast oh. is, is um, I don't want to disappoint anybody. And I, I, I'll, I'll, I will say up front, um, I retired from the Air Force in 2006, and I uh, I now serve as a as a, a pastor mm-hmm. at a place called the Church for All People in Columbus, Ohio. And I I haven't really kept up with a lot of uh, a lot of things. Yeah, there, no, and, and 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 so I'm not trying to to step on anybody's toes or or disappoint yeah. anybody. Um, you know, last week I saw a news article that said, you know, a, a Soviet-capable bomber flew close to Alaska. Well, every bomber is nuclear-capable. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the F-15s yeah. that are intercepting, you know, the bomber are nuclear-capable. Yeah. So, so in the history of the F-117 and in the history of any plane, you know, there's any scenario you can imagine would, was considered and is considered and you know what if we did this and what if we did that um and and so yeah i'm sure those types of scenarios were discussed but i at least from you know i i started with the f-117s in 1998 Mm -hmm. so you know i wasn't there you know when it was still a a black program and i don't i don't know everything that was on the table at different times um it does not surprise me that somebody would say hey this could be a contingency Mm -hmm. this could be something that we would do but i also think it's a it would have been a pretty unlikely contingency yeah um, you know if you got f-15s that can do air-to-air stuff from 25 miles away why would you um you know the, the f-117 had rather limited capabilities you know, yeah. you've got two internal bombs that you can carry i mean when I was a historian, you know, just like I might disappoint some of your listeners, you can't. I've been disappointing people since 1960. Hey, 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 no, no, you said that earlier. You're not disappointing anyone, man. Okay. There's no, tr- no, no, trust me. You come on this podcast. I have friends come on this podcast, and we talk. <laughs> we talk about you know what batteries are better for our Xbox controllers. You can't disappoint anyone, man. All right, don't have any anxiety. We're hey, I'm well, I'm living above my parents' garage. Here's an example of okay? where I have agitated people. Yeah. So okay. I was the historian for the F117. Yeah. And I would often say to people, including pilots, this isn't a fighter plane. Yeah. I mean, it's an attack plane, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're carrying two internal bombs. Yeah. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, by definition, fighter aircraft. Yeah. I, I think, you know, to have the title, again, I'm a fighter pilot. Yeah. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna disappoint some people. Yeah. I'm gonna make somebody angry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to be able to call yourself a fighter pilot means something. Yeah. Um. But but the F one seventeen is it's really an air to ground. It's really an attack plane. Yeah. Um. And and so you know so I was a historian, and every year I would have to qualify in the M sixteen mm-hmm. you know, to to be ready. If we got in the place of a war where we're depending on the historian to shoot at the enemy, yeah, we're in bad shape. Yeah, yeah. If we're in a place in air-to-air combat <laughs> where we're depending on the F-117, I mean, I love the F-117. I love the program. I'm dear friends with some of the people who are part of it to this day. But But that was not its optimal designed mission yeah so yeah i I think it's really possible that somebody 
looked at that as here's one type of contingency that could happen. But again, you know, we got a whole lot of really good F-15s yeah. that are designed to do that. Um, that, that. Using the F-117 for that doesn't seem like the right tool for the job. Yeah, it definitely does seem... Yeah, when you when you said if the the relying on the historian to use an M sixteen, yeah, that makes me think yeah. of a uh, uh, Somalia, the Battle of Mogadishu, how they had cooks going out in the APCs, and it's like, hey man, things are, <laughs> things aren't going off so well. If, bad. Yeah, if the guy that's flipping burgers is now flipping grenades out of the top, it's like, ooh, you know, we are we are not planned for this. But yeah, it does seem odd. That's what I thought initially when I saw that, that the F-117 could. I was thinking that this was like a a super contingency where, you know, the country's been decimated and we are now relying on the F-117 to provide air-to-air defense of the border. That was my initial thought when I first saw it. But I looked into it more and then it said it was capable. So I thought, okay, well, that makes sense. If you really wanted to sneak up on someone what better plane to do it but what david pointed out is that it's a target of opportunity so it's not even necessarily planned which would mean that you kind of you know if you have a an EpiPen, right you're not you don't use it going i'm going to use this today you carry it around if you have to use it but you mm-hmm. always have to have it so right. to be a target of opportunity i didn't realize that till he pointed it out that that's what the article did say which would mean that you always have to carry that Right, so, so what? Where would they put it? Yeah, well, where do they do with my, it? That was my question to David. Yeah, yeah. where do they so, put it? Yeah, and 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 where they put it then defeats all of the radar absorbance, <laughs> yeah. um, the, the the design, um, because you know the even as the F one seventeen is used in all other scenarios, you know the the two bombs are inside it, the door is open uh-huh. and they drop out, right? Yeah. And for that moment that those doors, here, they do like this, the moment that those doors go from this to this, so the bombs can drop out, the radar signature gets bigger. Skyrockets, right? yeah. Yeah, so if you're gonna put some, you know, a couple of AIM-120s on there, well, what's your radar signature now? Yeah. Yeah, it's Ben Rich talks about that in Skunk Works. He says how some pilots were talking about Desert Storm and how after they dropped their bombs, one of them was like, my uh, the bomb, the bomb bay doors wouldn't close. <laughs> yeah, and he was like, I knew that I was probably lighting up. And he goes, normally rockets were just flying past us because they couldn't mm-hmm. touch us. He goes, and then I saw one start arcing up just and he's like, and I could only see a little bit, which means I was looking at it straight on. And he was like, mm-hmm. this thing was coming up for me. And he goes, and at the last second, the door is shut. He goes, and then just like I, I went invisible, he goes, the missile stopped. He goes, the, it started tracking my last position, which obviously you're mm-hmm. flying. So you go away. He goes, and it just right, right. stayed straight. But it was, it was tracking him, and he shut the door. And I think another time they said that, they got our call. They're like, "Hey, the radar's not, wor- or the the stealth isn't working." They're like, "What do you mean it isn't working?" And it was lighting up on all the radars. It turns out a couple screws mm. they said were three sixteenths of an inch protruding from the surface. Yeah, and it lit up like a like a Christmas tree. Yeah, it doesn't take much. No, so it's what David said in the last uh, podcast I did with them is it would have to be like an intern. It have to be an internal like rotary sure. launcher, correct? Yeah, that's the only way. Yeah, because nothing else would make sense. Yeah, because you wouldn't be sneaking up on anybody. No, it's and if you're not sneaking up, then why use the F one seventeen? Exactly. It's yeah. It's not for the looks. It's not for yeah. the. It's not for the. Uh, it's not for its flight capabilities, right? Yeah. It's. But again, I, but again, I think a lot of things are could, and a lot of things are plans, and it's just like you know, the, the military has contingency war plans for any scenario you could imagine invade canada and then every once in a while you'll see something in the news like you know we've drawn up a war plan against north korea yeah. as if like something new is yeah 
that's been there. The, I mean, that's they've got nine thousand. That's what they do for a living. Yeah, they've got nine thousand so, of those. Much more obscure scenarios than North Korea. Yeah, I'm just using that one because it's safe. Because I don't want to get quoted. Safe. No, yeah, no. So we're going to war against uh, yeah. Papua New Guinea. Or yeah, <laughs> going to invade Madagascar. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they do have they have contingency plans for zombie outbreaks. Yeah, they so, really so, they, so, they did. So the fact that there is a contingency plan for an F one seventeen that could be used as an air to air, yeah, that's possible, I guess. Yeah, um, and and not very likely. Yeah. So now. Would you know how it would hold that missile in there? Or do you think that, because, I mean, just like you and Mr. Libby both said we don't didn't know anything about it, I can, the only logical conclusion I can, I can draw is, and I have to keep my tinfoil hat off because I would, I just, I jumped down conspiracy holes so fast. They're like a magnet. But if you guys didn't know that, well, then it clearly shows it had capabilities that, were kept very close to the chest. Well, and also, again, you know, and, and I haven't looked at this stuff in, in quite a while. Um, so if I get if I get the years wrong, you know, forgive me. It doesn't matter. Um, but, man. You know, I, I joined, you know, with F-117s in 98. Dave might have got there a couple years before me. Maybe he was there in 96. Well, you know, there's... 15 plus years of history before we got there yeah many of that that happened with skunk works before it was uh, even a, a publicly acknowledged program mm-hmm. um, so there there could have been a whole lot of stuff uh, that happened before you know david and i showed up on the scene mm-hmm. or even before you know the f-117s got to, to holland yeah so that there, and I'm sure there was a, a lot of stuff tested and uh, a lot of different contingencies explored uh, you know, prior to to our time with them. Yeah, the the only thing I I could think in my as someone with a biology degree, so like yeah, it's early when you were like I don't want to disappoint. I was like I'm like dude, I have a biology degree. I have people on that talk about stuff that is light years beyond my field of expertise. I'm just sitting here entertaining stuff like a like a monkey, just like oh cool. So um yeah, no, super relaxed, man. It doesn't matter if anyone doesn't like it, stop watching. I don't care. Um yeah, relax. Um, so, but as someone with a biology degree, so my, you know, my opinion on aerospace, uh, um, I guess plans or techniques or tactics don't really hold any weight, but who cares? It's my podcast. We'll go with it. I thought, you know, what a better way to pull off an assassination or take out a VIP aircraft. You needed to just, you put an F-117 up there that's just vanishes on radar, put it up at night on a moonless night. And you go sneak up on some, I don't know, doesn't even have to be the, doesn't even have to be a Khrushchev or a, or, you know, a Boris Yeltsin. Like you just take out, you know, you want one of the guys gone, a KGB guy, uh, you know, a nuclear scientist, and you know, they're on this plane, man, what better way to just sneak up and just bloop, take them but out. But, but you don't even have to sneak up on anybody. Um, You know, I have a, a friend of mine that was um, an F-15 pilot from Lake and Heath, and I'm trying to remember if this was, um, it must have been when things were going on with uh, Bosnia, um, and he had fired at a, an enemy aircraft, and it, it was like, 25 miles away yeah so you know you don't have to sneak up on anybody oh oh yeah uh, yeah uh, in, in order to shoot them down oh yeah so, i was so, so i so again I, i'm not sure what the f-117 would bring to air to air the number of other air to air planes couldn't achieve yeah yeah, I wasn't thinking about like sneak up so they don't pull any defensive maneuvers. I, I right. was thinking more of 
plausible deniability. I mean, you really just want no, because even if you could sneak up with an F-15 and take out a commercial airliner, like, oh, you could do it, but they would know someone was there versus you come up with something that there's just no radar. And let's say you still tag it from 25 miles away. Yeah, sure. They'll know a missile hit it. But, you know, if they're like, hey, it was you, it'd be like, what do you mean it was us? Can we see the radar? Like, and there is no radar, you know, so it'd be, you know, if if a portent of importance, excuse me, if a person of importance just dies from radiation poisoning, like, yeah, everyone knows it was radiation poisoning. But if you can't tell which intelligence agency did it, well, that's where the value lies. So that that was what I was thinking is, sure, they would know a missile blew it up. There's no hiding that. But, right, right. I mean, you just want to go up and be like, we don't know what happened, you know? What better way than to just yeah. get an F- F-7, F-117 up there and just stealthily deploy that, you know? But also, you know, remember that the F-117 has um, a low radar signature. It is not invisible. Yeah, not invisible, yeah. The, the, I think a, a lot of times we've portrayed this image that it has no radar signature and yeah. nobody can see it. Uh, you know, it's in the technical terms, it's low observable. Yeah. There, there is a signature. To it. Yeah. But it just kind of fades. It's, yeah. you get so small, you're also right, picking right. up everything else that small. Right. So, you know, yeah. which one of these dots are bumblebees and which one is a, <laughs> which one is a, a, is a fighter pilot or a fighter jet bringing in two, uh, two payloads of death. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's an intriguing thing. Do you, do you know anything about? And I I don't. But do you know anything about like the F one seventeens that are still being used or still being spotted out at like Hallman and Tonopah? No. Um, so I left in two thousand six, mm-hmm. and that's when they were really putting um, plans in place to. You know, to end the F-117 program, and I haven't really kept up with it uh, since then. I, I've seen a couple things on the internet, you mm-hmm. know, little stories that pop up, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I'm not even I'm not even really aware of. I when did I? I was at Nellis and I saw you know a bunch of the F-117s in the. Was it the boneyard or, um, um, which is, you know, a bit heartbreaking for someone who's, yeah. um, you know, pretty close to all of this. Yeah. Um, so I, I, again, I, I would not be surprised, um, because, uh, and, and I'm not an unbiased person in this, um, you know, I think that the F-117 brought a unique capability, um, as a lowly historian, I, I think it it was unfortunate um, to lose that capability. Um, I think a, a lot of things were done in order to justify, you know, funding for the F twenty two, which again i haven't kept up with stuff but yeah there's been a lot of public reports about you know disappointment with the f-22 yeah um and and so you know it, it would not at all surprise me if you know a small a smaller number of f-117s were were kept to um even for for training purposes um, yeah I, I think we would be foolish to think we're the only country in the world that wants stealth capability. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. It's so you know if there's you know, some element of uh, you know training exercises where you're you're flying against uh, you know other stealth capable aircraft, you know I, that would make sense to me. Yeah, that that's what I thought when I when I because there are, there are reports of I think there are reports of them being flown in still over some country i don't want to name which ones because I, I don't know which ones off the top of my head but still see there's madagascar. yeah madagascar papua new guinea <laughs> that, you know that king julian yeah yeah he's, hey man don't sleep on them don't sleep yeah. on them you got to respect your enemy they'll they'll come up right behind us we're preparing for china russia and india 
Madagascar, yeah. Madagascar, Madagascar is going to come down. They're going to go over the world. They're going to come down over the North Pole, and no one's going to see it. Come. They're going to have some hypersonic suborbitals. Don't sleep on Madagascar. But, yeah. um, but I guess some of the F one seventeens are still, I think, over Libya. I think, I, I believe, over Afghanistan. So they're still being spotted over there, which is, I mean, on one hand, it makes sense. I mean, they're so far behind us. Why even, why even waste money? and crew with the b2 when you can put in the b team or the c team and it doesn't matter because you're still you know they're still in caves so it doesn't matter but are there even so the f-117 was was normally used to to go after targets um you know where you're using that stealth capability yeah that would be you know more risky for you know an f-16 or something else to to take out um I, it just makes me curious what targets could possibly be left in Afghanistan or Libya um, that would need that capability. Even, you know, I, I was with um, the F 117s and was the historian, um, you know, when we were bombing Serbia. Um, and after a few weeks, it got to the point of, you know, the F 117s had really taken out. Uh, the targets that they came to take out mm -hmm. and there was uh, no need for that type of a capability so the f-117s returned to Holloman long before uh, you know the bombing was over in serbia mm -hmm. um, so it just makes me wonder what could be left in afghanistan or libya that yeah right. would require them right yeah it's you're right because I mean, we could we could throw over some like World War One biplanes, right? It right. doesn't matter, yeah. you know. It really doesn't put up they, some Sopwith they, camels. They didn't have very much metal, so they're probably pretty low observable. Probably, yeah. I didn't even think yeah. about that. Yeah, you go up there with canvas and like uh, yeah. balsa wood. <laughs> you know, yeah. no one's gonna see you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, no cockpit. I, I don't know that you're gonna be able to to lift. You know. Oh yeah. Oh, oh that's yeah. not guaranteed. Yeah, you're, you're, that's not guaranteed. Don't be like. Yeah, have you ever seen those World War One photos where the guys are literally? You got one with his like hand on the wheel, and the other yeah. one's looking over. And he has like a monocle like telescope with one hand, yeah, and yeah. he's holding the bomb with the other, and he's like, yeah. "Got it!" Like, whoo, <laughs> yeah. Did the Spad Thirteen have an air-to-air -air capability? Yeah. Did the stop? Yeah. yeah. Did the stop with Camel have air-to-air -air capability? Did the stop with Camel to take out the Soviet AWACS? Yeah. We we yeah yeah. They'll never see it coming. They will never see it. Yeah, there is. Maybe yeah. You know, maybe that's a form of like um, psychological warfare. You send over your F one seventeen, and it's like. Mm -hmm. We're not even gonna waste our B two on you. Maybe that's yeah. what it is. It's like yeah. I'm not even gonna bother with you. You know, it's like you jump the you, you white. Don't, you don't scare us enough. Yeah, it's like when you. It's We're like... not gonna bring our big guns to the fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, it's like uh, protesters jumping like the White House fence, and they just come out with like tasers and dogs, and it's like we're not even gonna like unleash the snipers. Like that's how. <laughs> That's you're just you're just kind of like uh this here's like a demerit like get out of here you know just like unleash some cats yeah something. yeah seriously release the cats you, you don't warn you don't warn a, a German shepherd yeah I know I know right it's um yeah <laughs> yeah seriously yeah yeah that, maybe but maybe that's what it is is that's what I was said to David is um you know maybe they didn't even hold maybe they didn't have air to air capabilities maybe this is a psychological operation the Oh, we had, air, you know, you could say two things. One, our technological capabilities. So these had air to air 40 years ago. And two, our secrecy is so good that you didn't even know about it till 2020 that we had air to air. Those both serve as two very real psychological. Those have value because if it's coming out now or even historians such as you and David didn't know about it. Well, if this was on purpose and you got the KGB or the CCP looking at this and they're like, wait, we didn't know about this. Well, all of a sudden, now everything's flipped. Wait, do we know everything about the B-2 that we thought we knew about the B-2? What about the F-22? So it's, wait, what other secrets do they have? So that's what I think is at the very least, there's very real psychological um, value to that, value for us as a psychological weapon. Um, oh, sure. The other thing I thought was Maybe you send the F-117 over there because you know in these proxy wars that 
China and Russia, you know they're painting him with radar. You know they're trying to get as much uh, SIGINT and uh, ELINT as they can. So why even bother with a with a B2 or an F22? Why give them free, even though these aren't classified things, they're publicly acknowledged, you know, why give it to them? Yeah. You know, it's always, you never want to give anything to them. So even if it's just something like Libya or Syria, right. send don't give them a reason. Don't give them free. Don't give them free information. Don't give them what they have. Exactly. Here's the F117. Yeah. You know, eat your heart out. Yeah. <laughs> it's and, and, and I think there's there's always a, a bit of a risk in that. You know, it, if we develop a capability um, that another country doesn't have, once that capability is is no longer secret. Um, now that means other countries have that capability. Yeah. Um, and so do we want to have to um, counter um, the very things that we've developed? Yeah. It could even be like um, we're, we're flying the F-117 over there, and they know that they're like, you know, so one, there's the psychological value. Hey, they're sending their F-117s, not their B-2s. So mm-hmm. now that sets up the that sets up the precedent for oh they will fly their older stuff mm-hmm. so now all of a sudden if you start seeing b2s the logical conclusion is going to be oh so now they're sending us their b2s oh does that mean there's something better on the back burner because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. now the b2s are there now that's their yeah. their slap yeah. Yeah. that's their release sure. the cats it's sure. oh no they're using their b2s <laughs> what are they holding what else yeah. is back there right yeah yeah so I don't well, know. And, but you know, just kind of flipping to the being the contrarian again. Yeah. Um, you know, to the fewer aircraft that you have flying, the more expensive it is. Uh, you know, per aircraft permission mm-hmm. to keep that going. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the, I, I would think there has to be a point of if you're only keeping a handful of a certain aircraft going, the cost of that really becomes prohibitive in a way because you've got a, you know, on the F-117, you've got the radar absorbent material. Wow. Every airplane has its you know, unique things. I'm not a, necessarily a fan of the F-22. Um, but part of the criticism of, you know, how much it costs per airplane is because at one time there was going to be a lot more airplanes, and the more you build, the lower the cost gets. Yeah. Um, so you know, you can kind of become the and the same thing with the B two, right? Mm-hmm. Well, people talk about how expensive a B two is. Well, if you had, you know, built and produced more of them, then the cost per unit goes down. Yeah. So, but some of that becomes a little bit of a kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy that yeah. we don't let you build as many as you wanted and then we criticize you for how much they cost. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but the, the reason I'm saying that is because let's imagine a scenario where we're keeping a dozen F-117s going around the world. I, I would wonder if that really is cost prohibitive. Um, just thinking about what it would what it would entail to maintain those to keep those in a in a stealth you know fully stealth like you mentioned you know the the smallest crew is enough to expand the radar signature um it, that would take a lot of money yeah to keep a very small fleet of, of aircraft available to go into places like libya and afghanistan that really would have very little benefit um, of using an F-117. That's true. Maybe maybe it's offset. Maybe it does cost an arm and a leg, but losing a B-2 costs two arms and two legs. It's, um, again, <laughs> but, but are, are we, I'm not trying to diss other countries, but are we really in danger of, of losing... You know, no. an F sixteen they could drop something from yeah. miles and miles away. Yeah. So it would be in Afghanistan. I mean Yeah, I, I I don't know. The only thing I could think of is 
in again in Skunk Works by Ben Rich, he talks about when they were going to use the F one seventeen against Gaddafi, mm-hmm. and at the last moment, Casper uh, Casper Weinberger, the sec def under Reagan, called it off, mm-hmm. and it wasn't that it wasn't that this wasn't fit for Libya. He was right. just like, I don't want I don't want the Russians to know about it, so we'll go yeah. use something else, and it ended up kind of botching the whole operation, but. Yeah. That's the only thing I could think yeah. of is... It's kind of like poker. When do you want to play that card? Yeah, yeah. Is I mean, ma- do, do, yeah. Do, do you want to burn that card? Um, exactly. It's the only thing I can think of is... But it doesn't really make sense with this analogy. So the idea of using your F-117s now instead of your B-2s, but the B-2s are known. It's right. the, the, it, So it doesn't really work there. And, what, and, and, for the, and for the majority of targets that we would have today, why would you even use the b2 i mean why wouldn't you just use you know f16s or stop with camels yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah (laughs) yeah who knows man it's me i don't know i can only think of i feel like it would have to be psychological weight right if the f117s are maybe it's just we're willing to go burn our f117s in these backwards deserts because we're keeping the B2, we're keeping the, you know, the flying wing of death. We're saving that for Russia, China, India, Pakistan. We're saving these for people that do pose a threat. You know, it's, that's the only thing I can think of is just make scenarios where you really do have competent nations. Yeah. Our radar system. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's not a bunch of 70 year old guys using 50 year old AKs. (laughs) <laughs> in 10,000 year old caves it's actually competent nations yeah. you know even I don't know I mean we know China is always stealing our uh, you know cyber warfare we know they're always attacking the defense contractors maybe it's just maybe we're trying to pull the cards even closer mm-hmm. there are possibly updates to the B2 and we're not even gonna you're not gonna see anything you know it's yeah. and why would you I exactly mean, exactly again to, to, to go back to to poker as an analogy because who better person to make it poker analogies than a pastor yeah right. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah yeah you know why, why would you show your cards yeah yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> that made me think of ben rich talking about how he, how he got an award for the f-117 from casper weinberger but he couldn't show anyone it just said it just said in recognition of a significant event and uh he the, the analogy he used is when he could finally show his kids and tell his kids about it he said it was like the uh what was it the uh, the tight-lipped rabbi who hit a hole in one on the sabbath <laughs> can't tell anyone <laughs> so yeah um but yeah I, I i don't know i don't know maybe it's just Again, as a biology degree, I'm trying to decipher the the intelligence agency's hand. Um, using the F-117, or even saying it has air-to-air capabilities. Well, I, and I would I would really go back to whether it's a, a weapon system, whether it's a war plan. At some point or another, really everything is on the table. Yeah. And, and every possibility gets discussed and every contingency gets planned for. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know that I would make the leap from, you know, this one thing was discussed and maybe even explored, you know, you know, who knows you know, what was explored in, you know, 1985 before any of us knew about the F-117. Mm-hmm. But I, I would be hesitant to make the jump from here's here's something that, that we've looked at um, to you know I would never have considered the F one seventeen as a the premier air to air weapon um, of the Air Force. Yeah, I mean maybe that's just yeah. What you said contingency plans. That's what I saw someone on Reddit make a comment, and it was. Maybe it's we keep the F-117s young and healthy and moving because it's in the event of an all-out war, we would probably lose the B-2s fairly quickly. 
why not keep the F-117? Because although they're 40 years old, yeah. they're still very good. Yeah. So why not just have this whole fleet that's already paid, bought, researched, flown, experienced with? Why not keep this whole thing? You know, you have your, you're on the White House, right? You have your turrets and your lasers and your, <laughs> but why not keep an old shotgun under the desk? Just in case. Why not get some of the muskets and the cannons, right? Why not unleash the sop with camels if all else fails? And we have devolved. Open up the Air, up the Air Force Museum in Dayton. Yeah. yeah. The attack they never saw it coming. B 36 in there that's just waiting to go. Exactly. Get out. The, what's, the, uh, what's that oldest ship in the Navy? The USS Constitution? Yeah. <laughs> it's literally wood. Get that thing out there, man. No one will see it coming. They're looking for the Zoom Walt in the, the USS Gerald ford they'll never see this puppy coming <laughs> they haven't had embargoes on gunpowder in two centuries yeah that's what we'll do man but, hey that would throw them for a loop i guess i mean would you even take it seriously if a bunch of soldiers started marching across your homeland in like in like in squares with cannons and like top hats and fluffy hair I man, if there's not some psychological value in that, that'd be enough to cause you to pause. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would, at the very least. Do, do you ever? Do you remember that thing? It was from, I believe, early on in the War on Terror, but it was they called it like the Kitty Cannon, and it was something I believe uh, the Israeli Defense Force was using. But it was a, it was a, it was a gun with a pistol on the. It was an assault rifle with a pistol on the end, and the pistol could bend around corners, and that's what they were use. They were using it to, you know prevent ambushes and then someone was like they just took a stuffed kitty and they like and they just put it on the pistol and they said so you know the bad guys would be around the corner waiting to blast and all of a sudden they'd see a kitty and at, and for a split second it was what in the world you know you're in the middle of Fallujah and there's a kitty at eye height six feet up and before you could even realize that there was a barrel protruding from it game yeah. over I don't know man maybe there's just yeah Go in the go in there with yeah, <laughs> with your muskets. <laughs> yeah, because those are really accurate. Yeah, well that's it's all a distraction. So the the F one seventeen comes. Maybe that's it. maybe the F one seventeen is a distraction. Why are they using the F one seventeen and no one's looking up at a hundred thousand feet because there's some hypersonic bomber? Um, <laughs> do you so? I was gonna say, have, do you know anything about the loyal wingman drones? No, I don't. Oh, well, that was a question someone had. Is that Australia apparently purchased a bunch of loyal wingman drones? They want to, yeah, yeah. yeah again, I, you know, I retired in two thousand six. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and at that time, you know, the the UAVs and the UCAVs were really just kind of just coming out into their own. Sure. Yeah. Do you think there would be any value for the F one seventeen as? So what you were saying is, as these technologies are no longer classified, other nations can get a hold of them. So now we have to assume that they have them. Well, we would take old F-4 Phantoms, right? And we bring them out to like Area 51 or the Nellis Test Range, and and they they turn them into drones. And that's mm -hmm. what we we go up there and test our new fighter jets on them and blow them out of the sky. I wonder if that's that's what F-117s the purpose is. Bring them up there and. Can we can we take these down? You're gonna make me cry. Don't do that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's 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 all. It's like my baby. All, all F117s go to heaven. I promise. It's yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah yeah. I my friend is like a math. My friend's a mathematician, and I had him on the other day, and I was coming up with some analogy. I was like, "Do you think there are life forms in the universe somewhere else where our math isn't even real to them?" And you just, you just take it back. <laughs> take it back. <laughs> so I realized as I was saying this, you're like, don't say that. It's my baby. Yeah. So what, what do you say, Mr. Biologist? What do I say? Yeah. How would you answer that question? With the F-117s or the math? No. no. The, the, the other life forms with the math that doesn't exist. Yeah. The only thing I could think of is, is why not? Yeah. You know, if we always seem to, whenever we write off life as it cannot, we think we have it figured out. Yeah, we life find, is pernicious. Life we life find, is. yeah, we find yeah. extremophiles at the bottom of the ocean. We went down to the Mariana Trench, Challenger Deep, thirty-six thousand feet under the surface, thirty-six thousand feet, and they got to the bottom, and there are these, you know, there's still life forms going around there. We find them on sulfuric acid vents. 
We find them in lakes with arsenic. They find them on the surface of satellites where they can survive re-entry. <clears throat> so another form, well, then you'd have to go into is math a universal language? You know, are there other forms of atoms in the universe? No, I think that's pretty that's pretty universal. So I don't know, you know, is is math universal? As someone that failed pre-calculus four times in college, it's, I, you know, I don't know. The only thing I could think of is just like we could see in different forms on the electromagnetic spectrum, mm -hmm. maybe they see patterns that we don't. So it, maybe it wouldn't be that our math is wrong so much as they have a completely different Right. We're, we're on the same spectrum. Almost like, almost like two different languages. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Still a thing. Can't communicate. Maybe they just see in right. ways that we don't. I don't know. Again, as someone that failed math four times, <laughs> I might not be the guy to. I might not be the guy to speak on. But hopefully, that goes to show just how relaxed this podcast is. Is I can feel free to talk about uh, math, and so yeah, it's no one can be disappointed. If you're disappointed, don't listen. So. It's uh yeah man yeah. it's it's figure it out yourself and come back and tell exactly us. yeah come back yeah. on if you don't like it unplug I don't care, um, so having worked on the F one seventeen, got about fifteen give fifteen more minutes. Uh huh. What is what is your what was your favorite thing about it? What was is there just something that you know it, it's your baby? Is there something that just like even though I am not, I did not go to medical school. I got in but did not go, mm -hmm. and I, I'm glad I didn't. There are still things about like studying seven days a week. There's still still something about that that is like my baby. Like I don't, I don't wish to go back, but there's still things I kind of adore about it. Yeah. Is there anything in particular that, even if it's not value of value to anyone else, is there anything about it that, that yeah, you should have a soft spot for? I I think that's a really good question, and it's one I've never thought about before. Um, but I really like your analogy there at the end because you know, I, I retired in 2006, mm -hmm. and the F-117s weren't too far behind me. Um, and the thing I think that I valued about it was really the closeness of the community. Okay. You know, you know there was only you know 50 some F-117s. And so it was. It was a very close knit group of people, um, and like you know, I, I mentioned, I spent time at, at at Langley and at Lake and Heath, where there were F-15s, but there were F-15s at lots of bases. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you could be an F-15 person here and an F-15 person here, and never know about each other. Yeah. Um, but um, there, there, there was a really close, deep relationship. Um, within the F-117 community itself um, that, that was unlike anywhere else uh, I was in the Air Force. Mm. Um, I remember the night that uh, um, the F-117 got shot down over um, Serbia and I was at Holloman at the time and that night it was a, there was a uh, going away ceremony, if I remember right, it was the, the vice wing commander was leaving. So, you know, number two person on the base is leaving. Sure, sure. Yeah. So all of, you know, the, the leadership that was at the base was there at the officer's club. And, uh, you know, the wing commander coming in throughout the night with different updates, uh, huddled together around CNN watching um, one of our airplanes burn and not knowing what happened to our brother. And and then him coming in, um, the, the wing commander coming in and saying, we got it. I've got goosebumps right yeah. now. And this happened in 1999. Yeah. Um, and, and that may be a somewhat extreme example. No, it's perfect. Uh, but, but there, but there, there is within the Air Force. There is no other um, community like it that was so close, so relational. Everybody knew each other. Everybody was in it together. You know, the F one F one seventeen was a single seat plane. Yeah. So you know, the first time 
somebody flew in an F-117 that were flying solo. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so there's something about that, you know, about that. I'm flying solo. I'm flying stealth. Um, depending on what the weather is that night, there may not be a lot of other aircraft out there in the sky. Um, so there, it, it's almost a dichotomy that the F-117 was a bit of this this um, lone ranger yeah. oftentimes. And yet within that community, because of that lone ranger aspect, there there is a tightness and a closeness sure. that you don't always get in, in the bigger um, weapon systems or in the bigger missions. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. I mean, it's, yeah, you're gonna be out there by yourself right. in denied territory Right. Paul carrying out a lethal mission and, you know, death if, if you crash or taken prisoner. No, I think that makes perfect sense because it's like you you I had on Mike Durant, the pilot mm-hmm. that was shot down in in the Battle of Mogadishu. Mm-hmm. And he, in his book, In the Company of Heroes, he starts with just how close he was with his flight crew because it was he was like, I knew that I could be going into a, a war zone the next day just above the rooftops at full speed and he goes but i never he's like oh, i only just had to focus on flying i never had to worry about is every are all the screws tight is it fueled he was like every day i got on that thing polished you know down to my gloves and helmet were just the way i like it they had everything perfect for me and because of that you become very entwined it's not just there's a gunner in the back and right. I mean, he talks about that's what crushed him so hard when he was taken captive was was realizing on the news that everyone else was dead. It wasn't just wasn't just, you know, oh, no, other Americans are dead. It was like these guys were my best friends. Like we would go to we would do summer with each other. Our kids grew up together. And I think that makes perfect sense. It's not just you're out there on your own. It's you're out there on your own. And all your guys are like the quality of their job and preparing the plane and maintaining it is directly correlated to your buddy's safety and you know he's out there by himself you want him to be doing the best he can it's i think that makes perfect sense and i never would have thought about that maybe there's maybe there's some value to having a, a low number of aircraft maybe they know that you can get that bond yeah. i don't know it's yeah it, it does create a really you know strong web of yeah. connection and trust yeah in reliance on each other yeah maybe man that's i don't know i don't think i can top that i think we should wrap it up because that was such okay. a, that was that was so beautiful i don't want to i don't want to jump in with so how about the sop with camels even though i just did <laughs> so um what would eddie rickenbacker say yeah no yeah right send in the sop with camels that's the that's the end all be all man you know that that's how you disperse the protesters is you send out sop with camels with tear gas <laughs> it's just they're they're sending out the camels like <laughs> Greg Hanneman, thank you so much, sir. Thank you for doing Thanks, this sir. podcast. And Jay, to, to address it one more time, you're not disappointing anyone, man. I loved it. Thank you so much for coming on. It means the world to me, and uh, I appreciate it. That was a beautiful ending. That was a beautiful story. And uh, if anything else comes out about the F one seventeen. Uh, I'm just going to assume that you've been lying to me and that you work for the CIA and I will be deeply insulted. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. God bless you. Have a great one. Thank you. Bye.